Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today on Dance Talks is Pam Topham, a weaver of wines and great art, which are invariably of landscapes that uh, have over the years been displayed in many galleries. And I know you had uh, a weaving at the entrance to the New York uh, Yale, Yale Club from, for a long time. Beautiful piece. Where else have uh, your works been shown? Well, most recently, uh, in, in 2017, I had a essentially like a retrospective show at Guild Hall. So there you could see work over the last 15 or more years, both large and small. Where have you shown at galleries? Well, Arlene Bouget, Elaine Benson, here, I don't have a gallery now. I don't have representation now. But your work is gorgeous. I've I've seen it over the years. And uh, you've become uh, well known for it. And uh, the pieces are long lasting and uh, uh, very beautiful. The one at the Yale Club I, I saw often, I think it was like six by 10 feet, huge thing. Not quite that big, but big. It was uh, a vision of the old campus. How did so, where how do you how did you get started in uh, doing weaving? Where where are you from originally? But you you live now in Sag Harbor, I'm told. Yes, I live in Sag Harbor now. It's that long and winding road where you don't know. This is where I wanted to be now, and I'm glad I'm here. I grew up partly in the south. I then moved to Westchester, which was total culture shock when I was 11. Then I went to Syracuse University. Then I came to the art school. Then I came here. And I was so engaged by the landscapes. At first, I drew them. And then it was really, I've always been interested in textiles. And then it was after a trip to Guatemala where I became so involved in the textiles of Guatemala. Not, and then to return home. And to find there's a tapestry class at Guild Hall. So that's what got me started. That was uh, a long, long while ago, too. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what drew you to make the weavings only of the East End if you grew up and traveled around like that? Well, primarily of the East End, uh, especially the water. I think what started it, I would do drawings from a sailboat. And it would be kind of the, from a sailboat, the land becomes silhouettes. And then uh, then it then I started doing them from the shore. And it's generally it's water with distant lands. That's what started it. And then the farmland, I did a whole series of sagaponic, so that you'll have different aspects of sagaponic both near the ocean and of the farmlands there. So they're kind of works that are preserving what's being preserved and also what was. Yes, exactly. Uh, one time I was riding my bicycle on Hedges Lane 
and I say the potato field's going to Daniel's Lane and to, and to, onto the ocean. And I said, how long is it going to be like this? And so then I, I returned in my car uh, with a sketch pad. And then I thought, well, gee, maybe I should climb that telephone pole and get a better view. And then I thought, maybe that's not a good idea. I'll do it as if I was on the telephone pole and I could see the ocean. So that became first a small tapestry, uh, Peter's Pond Beach, which is still there. Uh, the fields the next year were in corn. I would not have had that view. And I expanded that to a large six foot tapestry, which was sold to a, a member of the board of Guild Hall, William Dreher. And then I sold the other one, Peter's Pond, to Peter Klevnikov, who lives right on uh, Sag Main Street. What do you work on? How long does it take you to make one of these weavings? It depends on, uh, some Some are, are quicker than others. Some I call a learning tapestry, like I'm trying something new and it doesn't work, so I have to try a different approach. So, um, it's, it's kind of vague. I know I had a commission to do in 2020, and I said, I don't know when exactly it'll be done. And then wow. I had three months in lockdown, and it was done. And that was for Maria McCarty, who lives on Akabonic Road, on Akabonic uh, Pond. And um, that was her like third or fourth piece that I've done for her. What is the process you have? What kind of, is it wool that you get? You get, And how do you, do you dye it in colors or how does it work? Well, you I talk about I, your loom as well. Yes, I start usually with colored pencil drawings is my preference. Sometimes when I'm traveling, I'll start with a sketch and then photographs because I can't stay there that long. One was on a bend of a curve in Rocky Mountain National Park. So I couldn't really stay there. So I had sketches and photographs. Then I start looking at different yarns that I have or maybe see what I have to order. Uh, the yarn comes from everywhere. So a primary source is Australia. The Australian Tapestry Workshop has 320 different colors of wool. And then I have a, there's a silk dyer in uh, Vancouver. And uh, so I've gotten a lot of different silks from her. Also, I used um, yarn that comes from Norway and from Sweden as well. Um, so at this point I have quite a collection, but there's always need for more. There's some exquisite Japanese um, uh, yarn that is, uh, just very hard to describe, but fortunately, I don't use a huge quantity of a yarn because it's incredibly expensive. Oh, what uh, is your loom like? What size? What are the dimensions what? of it, and where's your studio? So, studios attached to my house in Sag, Sag Harbor. I have two main looms. One is a tapestry loom, which is upright, and that is about five feet wide. And then I have a floor loom which is uh, six feet wide. So the, and sometimes I do pieces in triptychs too. So then it can be a, a bigger piece. What is triptych? So that's in three pieces. So in that, in that case, I did a piece that was 10 feet in uh, three pieces that are hung uh, next to each other about an inch apart. 
are these looms that you have are are both of them the American made or were they made somewhere else? No, one's from Canada, one's from Sweden. Did you have to assemble them or were they assembled after they came or? Uh, yeah, you have to, they're usually packed up and you have to assemble one. And um, the packing can cost you almost as much as the loom. I see. When I bought new, when I bought used, there aren't that many weavers around these days, but there are some. I, we were very lucky at one of the most, for, the foremost American weaver was had a talk at the church in Sag Harbor, Helen Hamark. I was very lucky at, at, uh, to have a great mentor from Scotland uh, so that I worked with him for about 10 years. So you, you've been living in Sag Harbor now for about 40 years, is it? Now, since 1997. What do you like to do in town? What what's what are some of the things that you enjoy doing in Sag Harbor or elsewhere? Sag Harbor, you have many levels of community. There's a very involved community that came together and rebuilt the the uh, cinema after it burned, and then we have two uh, foremost artists who bought and renovated the Methodist Church on Madison into a beautiful art center. And, and so that's some of my favorite things to go to activities there. I enjoy the shopping. I find in the summer, I have to go shopping at 8.30 in the morning. So I'm not tripping over tourists, <laughs> but I've, it's a work around for two months. And the rest of the time, it's just the community that I know. Is there a particular place that you find inspiring in the landscape? Yes, Akabonic Harbor. I have never counted how many tapestries I've been I've done there. If I don't know what to do, you can go to Last Point and you'll find something because the light's always changing. So I've gone all different angles of Akabonic Harbor, and then uh, this series of Sagaponic, and then also I've traveled a lot to national parks, where uh, I have had uh, several uh, from there from. Uh, from Canyon de Chez to uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, the Kawaiichi Valley. That was the one on the bend in the curve that I had to run out and photograph and sketch. And I enjoy traveling. I just, I'm working on one that is, I wanted something with trees, but the ocean. And I remembered in Costa Rica, I was at an artist in residency and there is a national park there, Manuel Antonio, where you have the trees against the Caribbean Ocean, not the Caribbean Ocean, the uh, Pacific Ocean there. So that was, that was just, um, that's what I'm working on right now. It's in two layers. And uh, when do you think that might be completed? Oh, probably, I'd say within a month or so. Uh, I'm having some supply issues. My silk source was sold. And so now I have to find some new uh, sources of silk. So these fabrics are, are not just wool, they're all kinds of yeah. different fabrics? It's generally silk and wool. And the wool is all different weights and textures, as is the silk. And I tend to weave several strands together at the same time. And mm -hmm. so I get a great texture. It's about texture. Yes, I, uh, I've, seen them. I've seen your work. It's beautiful work. 
And I even remember when you did drawings, you used to do drawings of old houses in the area. Yes. When I first arrived here, I, it's going back. Syracuse University had a really solid fine arts education. I did a tremendous amount of drawing and pen and ink. And I did a series of, of the beautiful Sag Harbor classic houses. And then uh, there's somebody that wrote a history about them. And then I had a show at a gallery that does not exist in Sag Harbor of them. And I sold a number of them. And uh, so the, the, it's interesting selling work over years. It's some you don't even know where it is anymore. <laughs> Where's the one that hung at Yale for all those years? So they moved it to the campus. So what happens there is their their Yale Club president, he has his projects and this particular one, he wanted to update the lobby and then he an analysis of the building. It's a 10-story building, so it's also a hotel. But he wanted to have more of a presence in the lobby. And the 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 tapestry. They built a wall for that tapestry. And then, you know, I had to meet with the uh, interior designer, architect, and people like that to plan that. So it wound up uh, at the, at the, up in uh, Hart in I, New, Haven? New Haven? Yeah, it's up in the campus. I don't really know where. I see. <laughs> if you went up to see it, somebody would show it to That me. would be something. I could track it down. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I'm I'm so glad you're on the podcast, and I want to thank you for your time. And good, and, uh, we'll see each other soon. Thanks so much for your your uh, your time. Okay, thank bye you, bye. Dan. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.